Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. Lord, as we look into your word today, I'm praying that you would speak grace and truth into our lives in such a way that we take steps towards you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, it is uh, always good to have my mom in service today. So, mom, wave. There she's right there. There she So, yeah. One of the greater unfortunate things about having us online every Sunday is that she gets to hear me every, every week. So she likes that. So thank you for, for allowing that to happen. It's also great to have my uncle and aunt, uh, Gerald and Marilyn, from, from Las Vegas. And... Uh, uh, Gerald's a retired pastor, and he's living there now. And my Aunt Barbara from Armprior. So, so it's good to have the family. Well, we'll see how good it is after we've done this. We're going out for, for lunch, and we'll see what they have to say about this. But anyways, uh, it should be good. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Yep. As you know, one of our prime values around here at, at Asbury here is discipleship. And if you have your Bible and you want to follow along with us, we're going to look at the first story that was read today, Matthew chapter 15, starting at verse 10. And it highlights some, some really important truths about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Have you ever gone through one of those phases in life when you said to yourself, self, I need to get to know God better. I need to improve my spiritual life. Maybe you are there right now. You know, it's one of some of those phases that bring people back to church. Maybe you are a follower of, uh, of Jesus, but, but something has stirred in you and you feel like you need to draw closer to uh, Jesus, improve your relationship with God. You've been coasting along in your spiritual life and you say, no, now's the time. I need to move forward. I think that's a fairly normal experience there there are times when we walk with jesus and you know you love jesus but you know you haven't been moving towards him as you should i've had a number of those times in my life um, when i was much younger than i am now i hit one of those times and I, I i knew that i needed to draw closer to jesus as something had been stirred in me i wanted to improve my spiritual life so what do you do when you have those impulses by the way, that's, that's a wonderful impulse. It's a God-given impulse. You wouldn't even want to move towards God unless it was the Spirit of God drawing you. God's putting something in your heart. So what do you do? Well, here's what my younger self did. I made up of a, a list of things that I needed to do and that I shouldn't do. So my list included things like I need to pray for an hour a day. I need to, to limit my TV watching. I need to memorize scripture. And my list went on and on. And I created a number of rules for myself in order to improve my spiritual life. And they were good rules. If people saw my list, they would say, my, are you ever spiritual, right? Maybe you've created a list of rules for yourself in order to become spiritual. So Jesus' story today may help. 
Here's what I've learned over the years. That impulse to draw closer to Jesus is God-given. And as your pastor, there's nothing I want to see more than, than you draw near to Jesus. I want you to move towards his heart. But there are some helpful ways to do it and some really unhelpful ways to do it. Come with me to Matthew chapter 15. So as you may know, the, uh, the book of Matthew was written by the disciple Matthew. He was writing the biography of Jesus in such a way that the Jewish people of his day would understand who he was. That's helpful to know because when we get to this story, it's referring to a number of things that well, every Jewish person would know, but we might miss it because we, didn't come from that, we don't come from that culture. In the first part of Matthew 15, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they were kind of the spiritual giants of the day. They were men exclusively. They were kind of seen as the spiritual Olympians. Um, they were committed people, and they took their religion seriously. And their religion was full of rules. Not only did they have scripture, but they had over 600 rules in addition to scripture to live out their spiritual lives. Now, now some of those rules were like, fences around the rules. So the scripture says, do not commit adultery. So they put a, a fence around that rule um, to make sure they didn't commit adultery. So, so just to make sure they were behaving well with, with a woman that was not their wife, they had made a rule that said, you could not spend any longer alone with a woman than it takes to run around a tree three times. I don't, I don't know. I was out west. There's some pretty big trees. I, I, I'm not, not sure about that rule, but anyways. Building rules was only one part of, of, of what the rules were about. Some rules were about interpretation. Those are the kind of rules that Jesus was dealing with in the early part of Matthew chapter 15. And here's the issue. Let's say you have some money and... Uh, your parents are in need in their old age, but you also want to give to God. Which one is more righteous? So they had rules of interpretation in this case. The rule said that if you said you're going to give it all to God, you didn't have to give to your parents. Jesus took them to task on that because it was clear that their rules were trumping God's rules uh, that said honor your parents. But here's the real question. Why? Why, why were they making up these rules? Why were they jumping through these hoops? Well, they wanted the glory of God to come back to Israel. They wanted God to send his Messiah. They believed that in order for God to do that, the nation had to be pure. They believed that the, for the nation to be pure, that, that the people needed to keep the commandments and the rules. It was about purity. It was get, about getting God to move. It was about being holy. It was about drawing closer to God. When you think about it, their motive wasn't all that different from ours. They, they wanted to see God move. They wanted God to have his rightful place in the life of the nation Israel. 
They wanted to see God fulfill his promises and send a Messiah. They wanted to be close to God. And they understood some things about God too. They understood that God loves purity and is attracted to holiness. They understood that God hates sin. But what they didn't understand was this. That no amount of rule keeping was going to get them to where they wanted to be. I suspect there are some Pharisees in all of us. We want God to do what we want him to do. And sometimes we think, well, the best way to make that happen is we, we need to keep the rules. I've always found it interesting um, that depending on what Christian group you belong to, the rules change somewhat. I was brought up, thanks mom, um, for uh, uh, Christians didn't drink alcohol. It was just Christians didn't drink alcohol. My Christian Reformed pastor friends get wine for Christmas. You know, like, I mean, different groups, different rules. Um, depending on what group you're in, depending on what you could do on Sunday, right? There's rules about how you should dress or not. Now, I recognize that we live in a culture where, that says rules are meant to be broken. But if you're trying to get closer to God, you know, at least I hope you know that there's such a thing as right and wrong. Sin still is a thing, although you don't hear about it much these days. We have lost the idea of sin in our culture. We, we, we get that we are broken or dysfunctional or addicted or stuck, but we don't get that we're sinners. But the Bible says Christ died for our sin, according to the scriptures. If you, if you remove the concept of sin, you take away the purpose of the cross. If you take away the cross, you take away the central uh, fixture in Christianity, which makes the whole thing pointless. Now, I don't expect our culture to get it. Why would they? they? They have their own moral code. They are not following Jesus. And we're not required to judge them. Paul says, who am I to judge those outside the church? We're, we're called to love and pray for them, but though no one follow Jesus. But if you are a follower of Jesus, then you need to understand that there, there is such a thing as sin, and you need to know how to deal with it. But the way to deal with it not by making the rules. Come to our story. Pharisees had rules about eating. They believed that if you ate without first washing your hands, then that made you impure, unholy. Now, I get that we don't believe that anymore. We believe that if you eat without first washing your hands, you may get sick, but that doesn't have anything to do with sin in your life. But look at this by looking at this pharisaical rule, Jesus helps us to understand ourselves. Verse 10, Jesus called to the crowd and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth, that's what defiles them. Jesus rule, uses this rule to talk about rules in general. I want you to note that with Jesus... Defilement still is a thing. Being unholy still is a thing. But it's not about what passes into your mouth, but what comes out of your mouth. In other words, 
Pharisees, these rules, useless. And the Pharisees got what he was saying. Verse 12, the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? They were ticked off. He replied, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them, they are blind guides. If the blind leave the blind, then they'll fall into a pit. Jesus says, I know they're supposed to be spiritual leaders, but actually they're spiritually blind. They can't lead anyone. Then know what he says, leave them. He doesn't say, argue with them. He doesn't say, post negative stuff about them on your social media. Um, Jesus says, just leave them. Here's what you need to know. There are all kinds of things that claim to come under the heading of Christianity that really are just the blind leading the blind. Spiritually blind. They're spiritually blind as Pharisees. You'll find churches who don't believe the Bible. You'll find churches who think you're going to get to heaven by keeping the rules. Neither of those is going to get you to where you want to be spiritually. The Bible just says, don't argue. Just leave them. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't take exception to looking for purity. He just took exception to how they were going about looking for purity. Verse 15, Peter says, well, explain the parable. 16, are you still so dull, Jesus asked them. Don't, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then comes out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defiles a person. But eating with unwashed hands, it doesn't defile them. Jesus says, it's, it's not what goes into your mouth is the problem, what comes out of your mouth is the problem. And the reason that's a problem is what comes out of your mouth comes from the heart. And it's the heart that is the problem, and the rules won't change your heart. The focus of Jesus is on the heart. Don't get hung up on the, state of what comes out, on the statement, what comes out of your mouth, or you'll miss the point. He lists a number of things that defile us, things like murder and theft. These are usually things you do not things you do by words. Just using the, the mouth of symmetry about, about washing and eating. But the real issue is the heart and rules don't change the heart. One of the things that has surprised me as I've grown in spiritual maturity is how deep evil goes in my heart. One of the things that you have to come to terms with is how deep it goes and how powerless we are to change it. Now, rules, rules, if you have enough willpower, can be kept. And they change our outward appearance. But changing your heart, that's on a whole other level. But if you are a kind of person that feel you need a, a level of control, well, you can control your behavior, maybe. 
but your heart? We just find our hearts unruly. Let's quickly walk through what Jesus said, some of the things that defile us are, because maybe you don't believe that evil goes deep. Evil thoughts towards our neighbors, towards our friends, even towards ourselves. These evil thoughts can range from jealousy to power and control and manipulation. It can lead to can be things like saying you're not what God says you are. And it comes from the heart. If you want to check out the state of your heart, watch what you think about those who disagree with you or who have hurt you. Out of the heart comes murder. Say I haven't murdered anyone, and yet Jesus is clear that on the Sermon on the Mount that hatred is kin to murder. That kind of hatred resides in the heart. And I've heard people say, I don't hate anybody. But I've heard them talk about people, and I don't believe them. Adultery. Married person having sex outside marriage. Jesus broadens the term in the Sermon on the Mount to lust after a woman. That could be after a man as well. Adultery is far too common in our culture, and it starts in the heart. People, if you want to affair-proof your marriage, deal with your heart. Sexual immorality, Greek words pornea, root meaning treating others, people like objects, especially sexually. Our culture views sex lightly, casually, and sex was meant by God to take place within, the, uh, within marriage. And because in that there is a, a context of lifelong commitment. Sexual immorality goes deeper than that. Whenever we treat people like objects to be lusted after or to be used, when our fantasy life treats people as objects, then, well, it shows the depth of depravity in our hearts. Theft. Taking what belongs to someone else. Most of our times we don't think of ourselves as thieves, except when it comes to what's stored on our computer or how we fill out our tax forms or insurance claims. False testimony. Basically lying about someone. Now, this one really shows up our hearts. Maybe you lie about yourself and exaggerate the good you've done to make yourself look good. Or maybe you lie about someone to make them look bad so you can look good. Or maybe it's just gossip. This one has a way of showing up our pride and how we need to prop ourselves up. Slander, undermining someone else's character. And it all comes out of the heart. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, this morning we're going to celebrate communion. And our heart change starts there. Jesus died for our sins according to the scripture. 
He paid the penalty for all that we have done wrong and all that we've ever done wrong. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, our, our sins can be forgiven. Those are the things that we have done that have defiled us or haven't done that has defiled us. Those things have been taken care of in, in the eyes of God. If you've given your life to Jesus, if you've received him into your heart, if you've chosen to follow him, you are forgiven. That's, that's, that's a great truth, and that's a wonderful truth, and it starts there. But wouldn't it be weird for God to say, your problem is your heart, and I have forgiven your sin, but I'm not going to do anything about your heart. Or to put it like some people believe, I'm forgiven and now I just have to keep the rules. When I break the rules, I need to come back to God and ask for forgiveness again. And I'm going to do the cycle over and over and over until I get to heaven. I want you to know that the power of the cross goes much deeper than that. The power of the cross can change your heart. The church in Galatia was being told what they needed Jesus to forgive uh, uh, what, what they needed to do after they'd been forgiven. And uh, they were being told that they need to keep the rules. They need to keep the law. And the apostle wrote to them in uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Oh, you foolish Galatians. Who's cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Jesus and his death, what we're celebrating in communion, it was preached to them, and they received it with joy. So Paul then says, well, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Jesus, about the cross. How foolish can you be that after starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect in your own human effort? Good question. But I think a lot of us have tried that way, haven't we? The communion that we celebrate today remembers that Jesus died for us. And we put our faith in him and in his work. Not only are we forgiven, but we're given his Spirit. And his spirit at work in us over time, applying the work of the cross to our lives, is how our hearts are changed. How he does that and the ways that he does that and the ways that you can walk alongside of him as he does that is more than I have time to talk about today. But starting the Sunday after Labor Day, I'm going to do a whole series on spiritual formation, how God transforms your heart. So I'm hoping that you'll, you'll tune in for that. But what I want you to know today is that God just doesn't give you rules to follow and leave you on his own. Because the rules don't deal with your heart. What messes us up is our heart, and it's what comes out of our heart that defiles us and shoves God off to the side. But Jesus came not only to deal with our sin, but to deal with our hearts. Let me lay just a few more verses on you. There are... These two are from the Old Testament. They were looking forward to what God was going to do. Jeremiah chapter 31. 
But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. Ezekiel 11. And I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take away their, their stony, stubborn hearts and I will give them a tender, responsive heart. It was always God's plan not just to change our behavior, but to change our hearts. And it's always been God's plan that, that we live not in relationship to the rules, but live in relationship with him. And out of that, living well will follow. One more set of verses. Jesus, John 15, says this. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You might remember that the fruit he's talking about mainly is about the fruit of the heart. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't change your heart. Heart change comes out of this deep, abiding relationship with Jesus. How about you? Are you in one of those phases where you know you need to draw close to God or become a better person or get God to move in your life? Is your reaction, you know, oh, well, maybe, maybe I should make rules for myself? How about pushing into Jesus? and asking him what he would have instead. You may be called to pray for an hour a day, but that would come from him, not from you. It's not about setting up rules for yourself so that you can live, so you can control God. It's about pushing into God and having that relationship with God, and out of that relationship, we follow him because, well, we just love who he is and we want to please him. And people, that's what transforms our heart. As a follower of Jesus, there is better, a better way of living than in relationship to the rules. It's by allowing yourself to get to know Jesus. Maybe you have this whole moral code and you judge yourself by this code you beat yourself up when you break your code. As a follower of Jesus, there's a better way. A better way is in living in a deep, abiding relationship with Jesus. He doesn't change us by the rules. He changes our heart through love and by his spirit as the work of the cross is applied to us. Can you imagine a church being filled with the kind of people whose hearts have been transformed and are being transformed by the love of power of Jesus. Well, that's what we're celebrating this morning. I see many of you people on the way. 
We're celebrating the power of the cross to transform lives and forgive sin. I'm hoping you'll let God do what he wants to do in your heart. Let's pray. So Lord, there's a number of us who want to move closer to you, but we're tempted to do it through human effort. Lord, I know that you're not opposed to effort. It's just our own effort with our own rules and how we make up ways to get to you. Lord, instead, I'm praying that you would come to us. Call each person within the sound of my voice into a deeper relationship with you. Lord, as you do that, I'm praying for hearts that are, are transformed and as we move towards you, as we love you, I'm thankful, Lord, that you'll change us. Lord, we give thanks for your word. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.